Our holy and righteous Father in heaven, we are grateful for the ability this morning to come together in your presence to worship you. Our Father, we know that you have all the wisdom in the world that has been revealed to us, what you wish us to know and to do. We come to you this morning, Father, to remember our nation in which we live. We know that we have been instructed by the apostle to pray for those who are in high places, that we might live a quiet and gentle life. We think, our Father, that this nation has been in trouble in many ways, morally, spiritually, bankrupt in many things that are nothing but the ways of the world. We pray for our leaders, our president, as he meets with those people from North Korea, people who've been oppressed in what we understand, people who have not had freedom. These are important times that in which we live. We pray that our leaders will have the strength and the fortitude to do that which is right, to speak the truth, be guided by your principles as found in your word. We pray that you will be with our young people here. We have a number and we appreciate their presence. They may be facing things that we in our lives have not, but for all of us, as we face the future, whatever it might be, may we have the strength and the courage to know your will and to do your bidding in our lives. We pray for the older people who have lived good lives, who have nourished and cherished your word, who have stood up for the truth and, and have shown others the way. We're thankful for everyone here this morning and we pray that as we study your word, that we will have an open mind, a sincere heart to understand it and that, that we may speak it with uh, the right attitude and hear with the right attitude that you will bless us in our efforts to please you as we study and as we worship this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Is this microphone sounding all right? Around the holidays, as we call them, whether it's uh, Thanksgiving or Memorial Day or the Fourth of July, there are many family traditions probably that abound probably a lot of emotion. If, you, if I ask you to raise your hand, if your family has some special traditions, how many of you would raise your hand on holidays, whatever it might be? Uh, on Thanksgiving, as we call it, I, I have a special tradition. I, I guess it was started by my mother that uh, we have cornbread dressing. Nothing like cornbread dressing. Memorial Day, we have traditions to put out the flags and to remember those who have served their country. Emotions sometimes run high. Fourth of July, we have emotions about our country and how it gained its uh, independence from Britain and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Tradition and emotions are a vital part of our lives. The one, that is traditions, give us a sense of stability. I suppose uh, that's why I like cornbread dressing. Thanksgiving gives me a sense of stability. The other, that is emotions, give us a sense of elation that uh, makes life worth living, perhaps. But how do these function? That is, how do emotion and tradition function in our walk with God? Our text, as was read a moment ago, and I appreciate that reading, Daniel. Our text is taken from John the 8th chapter. And as you see on your family news on the back page, tradition, emotions, and truth are our subject, of course. John 8, verse 31 and 32, just again briefly. Jesus is saying that it is the truth that sets you free. So he said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Our theme this morning is we'll explore the need to let truth prevail over our emotions and our traditions in serving God. Let me emphasize right now, and I'll probably say it again, that not all emotions are wrong. I hope we'll see this. Not all traditions are wrong in our service to God. But we need to let truth prevail and over our emotions and traditions when we serve God. Let's look at uh, the religious spectrum, as we might call it. And this is a broad, broad look at it. First of all, look at uh, Catholicism, Episcopalians, etc., and those, that group of people. High traditions and rituals. And if you know what I'm talking about, you've seen on television or whatever, the, the priest or whoever may be up there at the front, and there are certain traditions. They go, wrote, almost wrote, as they go through their traditions and their rituals. Now, when I'm, by the way, when I'm talking about the religious spectrum that we're talking about here, I'm not neither, I'm not neither condemning them or approving of them. I'm just using them as examples of what we're talking about here, tradition and, and emotions. To look at their doctrine and their practices is another thing, and that's not what I'm, I'm showing this. But the Pentecostals and others, uh, we find, are very highly emotional. And uh, what echoes among us? Well, quote, that's not how the churches of Christ are doing it. Or have done it. Or on the other spectrum. We need more freedom for the spirit to move us. 
Have you heard of either one of those thoughts? Now, all I'm doing here on this chart is looking at the spectrum. On one hand, people are tradition-bound, ritual, this, this, this. On the other hand, let's show our emotions. Let's hoop and holler and round on the floor. Like when I was in the fourth or sixth grade, we lived across the street from the schoolhouse. I just had to walk across the street to go to school. On the other side of the school, on the other street, there was uh, a group of people. I, we, I don't even remember what they called themselves, but they were of the Pentecostals we had. And I'd, I, for, <laughs> for entertainment, I'd go over there on the other side of the school and watch them. <laughs> I mean, the emotion that, uh, that they explained, and I'm not condemning, I'm just saying this was the case. Uh, getting so upset, uh, not upset, so uh, rev revved up is one word, I guess. That, and I'd watch them fly, lay out on the floor and, and so forth. So anyway, but among us, we have tradition, well, uh, well, that's not the way the Church of Christ has been doing it. Or the other side, well, we need more. Well, all I'm saying is there are problems that cause all this confusion or the problem that causes all this confusion is that people are looking for significance in their life, in their life of Christians, in their religious experience, if you want to call it that. But that significance can only be found when, when the truth governs the search. So our proposition this morning if truth doesn't triumph, emotions are empty and traditions are trash. I don't think anybody will disagree with that, but, but let's get, understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to say it again. I'm not saying that emotions are wrong. I'm not saying that traditions are wrong per se within themselves. But when it comes to our living the life of a Christian, if truth doesn't override, if you will, or triumph, as this chart says, motions and traditions, then, well, that's maybe a little strong, they're trash, but uh, John 8, verse 31, reality is that which actually exists. Let's look at that John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews, who believe in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you, set you free. John 18, 38. By the way, if I don't have it on the chart, it's probably on your, your outline on the back. John 18, 38. What is truth? I speak of what I have seen with my father, Jesus said, and you do what you have heard from your fathers. That's tradition that he was accusing the Jews of. What is truth? Well, uh, the word that you have on your sheet there is, is aletheia, that which actually exists, that which is reality. In John 6, verse 38, uh, it originates from God. John 17 and 17, God's word is truth. In John 8, verse 32 that we've read, His word is truth, sets us free. In John 4, verse 24, we're set, true, uh, set uh, free by truth. And then uh, Ephesians 4, verse 20 is an interesting uh, verse. Uh, let's go to this next chart and see about that. 
Paul said, you did not so learn in Christ. Now, I'm not going to the context there, but there's some things that he's writing to the Ephesians about. And he said, you didn't learn this from Christ. The truth is in Jesus. So first of all, they learned something. But what they were doing was not that which was learned from Christ. So truth is in Jesus. It establishes a certain lifestyle. And the lifestyle that the Ephesians, as I said, I'm not looking at the context uh, fully, but the lifestyle that the Ephesians were in is what uh, uh, Paul is saying here, that you didn't learn that in Christ. The, the truth is in Jesus. But in Jesus, the truth establishes the lifestyle. Everything we can know about God comes from His Word, the truth. Now, just thought of something. Romans, the first chapter, we can know about His everlasting power and divinity by what Paul said, by what we see. So maybe qualify what I say here. But everything we know about God and our walk with Him comes from His Word. Now, the point here that we're trying to make is if we value our relationship with Him, then we need to develop a thirst for truth without regard of what that might expose. Or as one fellow, one fellow put it, we must develop a thirst for truth without regard to the sacred cows that it might expose in our lives. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 41, Paul said, Rejoice always. Emotions are good. But sometimes may block the truth. Now, when Paul said rejoice, and in fact, his Philippians is just full of joy. That's, that's the whole letter. Is a, a fellow, uh, is a you know, letter encourages the Philippians to be joyful. So that's why I said a while ago that not everything in any motion is wrong. Rejoice is a motion that is good, but sometimes emotions will block the truth. Let's look at some emotions that are found in the Word and see what we're talking about here by way of illustration. Second Kings, the 18th chapter, if you want to look there, there's about the five verses we want to read. And I know you're probably familiar or very familiar with this incident. 2 Kings 18, Elijah is on Mount Carmel with the pagan priest of Baal. Verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. And call upon the name of your God and put no fire under it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning unto evening, saying, O Baal, O Baal. Answer us. But there was no voice. No one heard. 
They leaped around the altar and they made, that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry louder, for he is a God. Either he's musing or he's relieving himself or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be wakened. And they cried louder. They gnashed themselves, cut themselves with, it was their custom, with swords and lances until the blood gushed upon them. And as midday passed, they raved until the time of the offering oblation. But there was no voice. No answer, no one answered, no one paid attention to them. That was emotion. And I could have probably put more emotion in my relating that than I did, but you get the point, I think. Oh, Baal, answer us. They leaped around the altar, they cried loudly, they gashed themselves and raved all day long and didn't get an answer. Acts 22, verse 21 and 23. It says, and he said to them, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is the incident where Paul was in Jerusalem, and he was uh, mobbed, as it were, and, and the official there, the Roman official, took him aside because he was afraid that they were going to kill him. And uh, so Paul said, I want to say a word. And he surprised the Roman official, you know, that, who, well, who are you? Aren't you that Egyptian and so forth? And Paul said, no, I'm a Hebrew. And so he asked, Paul asked us to speak to them. And so, so Paul spoke to them in the Hebrew language. And he related some things about his life and what happened to him. And then he ended up there, then that verse that I just read in verse 21, go, go forth, that's God speaking to Paul. God told me, go forth and I'll send you far away to the Gentiles. And upon this word, they listened up to this word. They listened to him. They raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, any emotion found there? Up to the word Gentile. That was a hot buzz. What do you call it? A hot button. Gentiles just up there said the Jews that they would have the same privileges <coughs> that the Jews uh, did in Christ. They stopped listening, didn't they? And they said, away with this fellow. He's not fit to live. And crying out and throwing things, their garments they threw and dust in the air. You ever done that? That's emotion, isn't it? Even what they said is emotion. In Acts the 11th chapter, uh, you recall Peter had gone to Cornelius and his household. And uh, he, when he came back to Jerusalem after having taught Cornelius the gospel, and Cornelius and his household obeyed. When we got back to Jerusalem, then the Jews there took issue with Paul. The Christian Jews, not the Jews that Jesus was talking about earlier, but the, and, and, and they took issue with, with Peter. Did I say Paul? And they said, you went and ate with those uncircumcised men. Another hot button word. You didn't follow our tradition. 
But Peter calmly related the facts. He quieted them down. Their emotions were got under control, and they glorified God. Now, that's a better emotion. Two, what do we call it? Two kinds, two different emotions here. They were all upset about Peter going and speaking to Jen, eating with them, is what it says. Oh, we don't do that. And they took issue with him. But when Peter explained, they had a different, they had emotion, right? But it was a better emotion, right? When they showed their emotions, they were not directed by the truth. When Peter explained what the truth was, then they quieted down in that first emotion. Our point here, see if this is the one, emotions not directed or restrained by truth produce shouting, etc. So our point here, this computer is so much more slow than mine. You can get it to come up. Our point here is to be like the early Christians that listened to Peter and changed their emotions based upon what the truth was. God's truth controlled and focused them. Let God's word then focus us and control our emotions. Our fervor should work with truth and not against it. Second Thessalonians. There we go. Second Thessalonians, the third chapter, verse six. Now we commend you, brethren, Paul says to these Thessalonians, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is not walking, who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition which you receive. From us. It's kind of like the word rejoice. Philippians, rejoice always. That's an emotion. What about this tradition here? Keep away from any brother who doesn't walk, who walks in idleness and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. The word tradition here, do I have it up there? Was required by the apostle. Where did this tradition come from? Tradition is something that is handed down. And Paul is saying what has been handed down from God provides structure in our lives and promotes functionality. So you see the word emotion and tradition can have different meanings depending on the context. The emotion of the prophets of Baal was different than the emotion that Paul talked about in Philippians. The tradition that the Jews followed was handed down from their fathers. 
It was not according to the truth. It was, in fact, a, a twisting of the truth, actually. But the tradition that God handed down to Paul, he says, I command you, brothers, in the name of Jesus. Keep yourself from every brother that walks in idleness and not according to the tradition which we, you receive from us. Isaiah, the 29th chapter, verse 13. The Lord said, Because this people draws near with their mouth and honors me with their lips while their heart is far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. When they told people to fear God, they taught it. It was a commandment taught by men. Their hearts were far from me. It diminishes reverence. It's without heart. It's devoid of power. And it's, low, it's learned the wrong thing or learning the wrong thing. Now, Jesus quoted this passage. In Mark, the seventh chapter, beginning with verse, verse 1, he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That opens it up a little more as to what Isaiah meant when Jesus quotes. He says, verse 8, you leave the commandment of God and hold, the, hold to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a, a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, God, Jesus is going to give some illustration here. Moses said, honor your father and your mother. Whosoever reviles father and mother must die. But you say, here's their tradition. If a man tells his father and his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. Jesus applied what he said here. He says it's on your lips. There's a certain formula that they went by. You said the right thing, the right formula. They said what would have benefited you is, is Corbin. Oh, well, that's their tradition. That wasn't God's word. Their lips, their phrases, catchword, canned answers, empty, unacceptable worship. It's not in your heart. Truth does suffer. More concerned about the, what the group thinks, not concerned about God's thoughts. So it's set aside, empty worship. Jesus has said, that's what you people do. And so we have another passage in Acts, Acts 17. They, oh, I, I, I've already said they neglected the truth, they set aside the truth. That's the Jesus that Jesus is talking about, and they ruled against the truth. So here's Acts 17, Acts, uh, 17 verse 11 and 12, all familiar to us. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Now, they were, Paul and Silas were in Thessalonica, and there arose a great persecution against Paul and Silas. 
And so the brethren in Thessalonica sent Paul and Silas to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews, what Jews? The Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They, the Jews in Berea, received the word with all readiness and eagerness, examining the scripture to see if these things were so. And many of them therefore believed, and not a few uh, Greek women of high standing as well as men. Now, Paul is not saying that the Jews who became Christian in Thessalonica, because there were some, but the Jews who rejected what he said, isn't this where he was taken out and beaten or stoned? Anyway, they, they, they sent Paul and Silas away because of the, the uproar there. Now, the Jews down in Berea, not Christians yet, the ones that listened to Paul, they were more noble because they searched the scripture. Let's see if that's what we have here on the chart. They listened openly, they examined daily, and therefore they believed. Traditions in Thessalonica closed their minds. They were unable Accept correction and the truth. And so our point is, it can happen to us. So am I willing to examine everything? Uh, am I willing to open up my Bible to see whether or not it's true? Whatever it is, if it's a tradition or not, is it from God's word? Let's make some observations here. Emotion is self-governing. It needs, self needs governing. Get that right? I like, I need, I want, I feel. That's what the Jews said. I like, they may not have said no exact words. I like these traditions that we're holding on to. I feel that this is right because I'm a, a son of Abraham. And so, after we like and want or feel like this, we would need this to be successful, we might even say. So excitement leads to enthusiasm. And it cannot ma be maintained without substance. I'm still thinking of those people, the prophets of Baal. They had no substance in what they were hollering. There was no such God as Baal. So they got all upset about it. So that's what happens when we're governed, governed by emotions. Well, what about tradition? Traditions emerge tradition we're talking about here emerged from the group. This comfort knowing what we're doing. And there's danger in this, not always, because there's no room to differ. That's the Jews that Jesus talked to. Your traditions, you, if somebody goes against your tradition, 
Acts 11 with, with Peter. We don't eat with those, those Gentiles. It may give structure and order, but without focus, it's empty. It's like the holiday ham. You've heard about that. Young couple decided they would have their family over for holiday ham. I don't know where it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever it was. And the young wife cut the end off the ham. Well, what, her husband says, why did you cut the end off of that ham? I don't know. That's what my mother did. So they go and ask mother, do you cut the end off the ham? Yes. Why? I don't know. That's what grandmother always did. That's what her tradition is. <laughs> uh, anyway, truth. God is the source of all truth. Accept it and set your seal on it. Set your seal. That that's what is going to guide me. Answer is answers both concerns. It establishes biblical, valid customs, if you want to call it that. And if you have the frame of mind that Paul was talking about, then it fires up the feelings. And you can have genuine emotion based on truth. I say it again. Are all emotions wrong? No. Is all tradition wrong? No. But what are the, the emotions and the truth based on? Truth gives rise to true emotions and establishes acceptable traditions. If I can get that to come up. There you go. That's the way that it ought to look in anything that we endeavor to do in Christ. The emotions can establish traditions that are void of truth and emotions can establish tradition and be devoid of truth. Tradition can be devoid of truth and can be empty of any positive emotion. As slow as that computer was, I hope that you followed with me. And if you have a question, did I misstate something? You be sure and ask me about it. And we can have more discussions to, by way of application, but I hope that that sets a groundwork for anything that we do as children of God and see that traditions can be good. Emotion is good, but if we're going to bind something, don't do it because of emotion or, or, or traditions. Number 455, is that right, Taylor? 455, I'll live in glory. Glory. 